Hi, this is Natalie Lander, voice of Kinsey, Tara Branford, Stargirl, and many others. You are listening to a W2Mnet podcast. You can visit w2mnet.com for other podcasts about entertainment, video games, sports, and wrestling. Good. Oh, you're taking this one? No. Oh, no. Go right ahead. Are you sure? Positive. All right, because I just messaged in the chat we, that the one thing we didn't discuss before we came on air was who was opening the damn show. I mean, as is, I've already used my voice on weird people enough these days. Today in particular. Well, yesterday as well, you had to deal with Mr. Hate Mail himself. Nah, that was a very interesting episode. <laughs> You'll never walk. Hello. Good evening, afternoon, whenever you happen to be listening, and welcome to the Broadhurst Walking Sports Report. Sports in black and white. Episode nine. Holy hell. I know, right? Feels <laughs> weird, doesn't it? <laughs> I am your hostess with the mostesses, possibly? I don't know. I'm the voice of reason in these parts, allegedly. I am Harry Broaders, joining me as per usual. He is the DSDO. He is the executive producer of the W2M Network. He is Eric Watkins. Extra emphasis on executive these past few days. It do be facts, though. <laughs> and we apologize for last week, but as the old story goes, um, shit happens. Yeah, network stuff rescheduling come to jesus meetings yada 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 exactly that that's what we did it's what we needed and it actually surprisingly worked apparently y'all found him <laughs> who knew um a little bit of personal stuff on my end as well a friend of mine went through a bad breakup so i was there for her so we did not do a show last week. However, more or less, the format for last week's show does translate to this week's show, with one major exception, that being that our NBA playoff predictions are already posted. You can find both mine and Eric's first-round predictions on the W2M Twitter feed in the W2M Discord server, link available below, and on the Facebook page as well. And on the W2M YouTube page as well. Go over to the community post. I figured, yes, this exists. It's a perfect place to put it. Here you go. Woohoo! All right. Well, uh, you, oh, wait, wait, wait. Are you really from the net? Uh, the other good news is <laughs> we, did, we did realize a mistake in our original bracket postings, and they have been updated. Both Eric and I have the same picks in those updated posts. Bulls in seven, bucks in six. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the Bucks can uh the Bucks got bombed yesterday, but the Bulls came to play finally. Yeah, again, Chicago, Boston, epic first round series. We haven't heard that before. Yes, yes, standards and practices. We know you exist. <sighs> Speaking of basketball, ironically enough, as we're recording this right now, Game 3 for Dallas and Utah happens to be on TNT as we speak. Mavericks up four, eight minutes and two seconds left in the fourth quarter. Miniature stream of consciousness going on there? Not really, because I don't actually have the game on. 
was waiting to get started and was working on a wrestling show as I am wont to do. However, we do actually have a format for you fine folks. And as is tradition for us, when we don't start with football, we start with football. And in this case, we start with spring league football and the birth, the rebirth, I guess, technically of the USFL. Depends on who you ask. That's why there was the lawsuit about that. Spiritual predecessor. There you go. Wait, wait, what's going on? Oh, hi, Brian Proper. Well, I don't know. You tell me who let the standards and practices guy in. And you have to remember, gimmick infringement is a W2M network exclusive. How is many he, times have we discussed this? Is he seriously arguing with himself? Possibly, but then again, I do the same thing. So My advice to Mr. Espinosa would be a psychiatrist. Anyways, <laughs> all right, let's get back to it. Uh, so the opening week of the USFL season, Eric, four games we saw victories by the New Jersey Generals, or excuse me, the Birmingham Stallions came back to win that game, sorry. Yep, Birmingham. The Philadelphia Stars. New Orleans Breakers. Oh, which one, which one was the one that won in the – the early game then, because I thought it was the – oh, no, Houston Gamblers beat the Michigan uh, – whatever. The Michigan, Michigan Panthers. And then the Monday night game ended up being the Tampa Bay Bandits over the Pittsburgh Maulers. After that game got moved from Sunday night to Monday night, Monday night football? Dun-dun-dun. Dramatic reverb? <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> they did say that they would contest games on occasional Fridays and Sundays or Fridays and Mondays when circumstances necessitated, so – it makes sense that they ended up moving it to Monday night. Plus, they bumped a college baseball game between Arizona and Creighton. I don't think anything of real value was lost there. No. I mean, plus, it was Birmingham. The weather was terrible. And it gave the crowd, who was hardly enough to show up for that Monday game, a reprieve from Easter weekend. But I, I will say, one of my first notes, nobody from the North Division won. Keep that in mind. So what you're saying is the North is Le Garbosh. At least for now. Well, it's going to happen this week because I think a couple of the North teams play each other. So what were your overall thoughts on week one of USFL? I mean, glad. And how much, how much of it did you actually get to watch? I got to watch just about the entirety of the opening game. Same. Um, Believe it or not. I didn't miss more than about half of the first quarter for the remaining three games. The only one was Sunday night. I was flipping between that game and the dirt race in Bristol. That's the game that I watched the least of. Well, as you may recall, I didn't end up watching the afternoon game on Sunday because my Braves were Sunday night baseball. Right. So I ended up watching Braves and Padres on Sunday night. I did watch all of the uh, the Stallions and the Generals game on on Saturday. Mm -hmm. I watched most of the um, Bandits and Maulers on Monday, but you got to remember Monday's wrestling for me. So right, right around right around eight ish, I tuned over and I put the uh, I put the the USFL game on my tablet. You and you didn't miss much by bumping it to the tablet. By the way, it was seventeen nothing at halftime, and the final was seventeen three. There wasn't anything worth it. It was the second game to be seventeen nothing at halftime because Houston, Michigan was seventeen nothing at halftime before Michigan cut it to seventeen twelve for the final score. Yeah, before they learned, hey, we need to protect the football. Shea nine, Patterson. 
nine fumbles. Lost three of them, but nine fumbles. Jeff Fisher's probably wishing he was still a Tennessee Titan coach at this point. I mean, just 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 let's be fair. He's still got a shot to finish the season five and five. This is what he does. <laughs> this is what he does. The sad thing is, is five and five might be enough for the postseason in the in the North Division. Maybe <laughs> so. Five and five will get you to Canton after all. Who would have thought? Okay, Sarah, Sarah. Um, couple of things to discuss here. Quality of play was. Better at times than I thought it would be, but then at other times it definitely lived up to the first game of an expansion league. Well, not just the first game of an expansion league. You got to realize these teams have been training together for all of three weeks prior to this year. Which makes zero sense to me why they did the draft so close to the start of the season if you wanted to put anything resembling a competent product out on the field. Logistics because of the lawsuit and everything else. They had Birmingham ready to go. They had their coaches and everything ready to go. But then that slipped in from the real USFL saying, hey, you can't do this and that. So it became a bit of a cluster. It became a bit of a pay us in order to play. In essence. So what did you make overall, though? Um, Obviously, they were at a disadvantage going up against a busy sports week as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, a major holiday weekend in addition to the race in Bristol, which we'll talk about a little bit later on. Mm-hmm. Um, Sunday night baseball, as well as the general launch for only what the second week of the regular season for the start of the second week of the regular season for major league baseball over the yeah. course of this past weekend. Cause they didn't start until April 7th this year because of the, because of the lockout. Mm-hmm. So not to mention, you also had, the NBA playoffs looming as well as the NHL starting to come down to the end of its regular season too. So the thing with the USFL for me is going to be, can they find their footing in a very, very crowded sports schedule right now? And and I agree. I think with some of those situations and they really did (laughs) take care and lean into like what they're doing with their NASCAR night with the race in Talladega this upcoming weekend. I think with your football diehards, you're going to have a great audience. Because if you look at the numbers this weekend, that first game, Birmingham and New Jersey, three and a half million people. And even for Monday night in those other games, some of those numbers were looking at 700,000. And seeing that was on cable, that's a very strong first week, as it should be. How much are they going to drop off? is the big question and given the early drama with the players in the footballs with um everything going on with different weather with everything going on with the whole chicken salad gate as it was we'll get to that yeah i think you've got momentum to sustain for that second week it's not going to have that much going against them hopefully for week two. So we talked about a uh, spiritual predecessor. Mm-hmm. We here at BWSR are something of a spiritual predecessor ourselves to the kickoff. And one of the things that the kickoff notated was how well the XFL got out of the gate for its relaunch back in 2020 before the world went to hell in a handbag as we knew it. Mm-hmm. How would you compare the launch of the USFL 
to the launch of the XFL from 2020. As good, equal to, worse. I would definitely say it was as good, right on level pegging. There was a right amount of the hype. The TV presentation was a lot better, especially given what you have to work A with. lot of camera gimmickry on the USFL, I noticed, yes. Oh, yeah, because if they had mentioned two sky cams, including a drone, and 55 cameras in Birmingham compared to your standard 39 for an NFL game. The so advantage that was a big plus. The advantage of that, though, is the fact that they're in a stationary setup for that, so they don't have to worry about transferring cameras to location to location to location. Right. I, think that, I think that that works to their advantage in terms of the different multifaceted camera angles that they're able to pull off. Yeah, and they'll know what works, what doesn't. Helmet cams, ref cams, and everything for when they get to next season, which I'm confident that they will. So for what it was, again, very level pegging between USFL this year and XFL two years ago. Um. All right, so we have to discuss it. The biggest story to come out of USFL week one, the player who was cut because he wanted pizza instead of chicken salad. Now... I am going to come because I've seen this clip and I really want to go back and watch United by Football, at least that particular episode. Huge plus, by the way. Uh, Fox Fox Sports, correct? Correct. FS1, FS2. I, I believe it's also avail available in the Fox Sports app. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. But let me set the scenario. The coach of the Pittsburgh Ballers he was running back. He came, sat down, and said, look, we already knew, and you already came in, and you agreed. Disrespect of any personnel, staff, what have you, will not be tolerated. I do get that there was a good bit of trolling and memory as far as the situation itself. Even with, you know, the whole chicken salad audible and all the mic'd up talking about it during that game. But I'm going to take a little bit of a different stance on this. If you say and you agree that you're not going to have that level of disrespect, then when you're in the line, chicken salad is like, hey, this is what we've got. And they're like, no, and we're going to eat this. You got this pizza. Can I have that? No. And he asked, is this going to be a problem? The last thing the guy should have said was yes. That's automatically a bit of a red flag against you. Because you're going to have an extra eye on. You're already showing if something like this is going to be a problem. What else is other going to be a problem from this guy on this team? Is the, Imagine if he was on the sidelines during that game. And they had changed up their offense and their style. What would we have seen out of him? So I, I, I'm giving a notch to the coach and the team in this instance for this one. Here's my thought process to this year. If that pizza was that damn important to you, why wouldn't you just go order yourself a pizza later in the night? Exactly. On your own time. I mean, even though you're in a hub in Birmingham with all the other teams, I'm there are ways to do it. I'm willing to bet you could probably get a pizza delivered. Mm-hmm. And my guess is if you pull a couple of your teammates, you could probably pay for the pizza three ways and each of you would get like three slices or so. Exactly. Plus, you know, the team is trying to get everybody to have the right mindset, 
eating healthy, doing all this and that. So it was a pretty dumb maneuver. Dietary needs are important for a football player. Look at a, as much as I hate to give the guy credit, <laughs> genuinely speaking, as much as I hate to give TB12 credit, you got to think about the fact that TB12 is one of those guys that's at the cutting edge of nutritionism in terms of National Football League players. Somebody that's been able to take good care of himself through his dietary habits and through his off-season exercise regimens and his in-season exercise regimens and has able, been able to have a career now that's lasted 22 years, going back to being drafted in 2000. I mean, the only other who could potentially be the only player to join George Hallis and someone from the World Football League in 1977 to both play on and part own a team, if you believe the rumors. Now, to me, however, that doesn't mean a thing unless we get Tom Brady-branded avocado tequila. I'd be all on that. You just want him drunk as a skunk like he was at the Super Bowl parade two years ago. That, and if I could drink the same thing, win-win. <clears throat> Eric's thinking with his alcoholism. <laughs> Do be facts, though. You uh, ain't lying. <laughs> Speaking of the XFL, we actually have some XFL news to pass along as well. So let's just consider this a little bit of a spring football bundle to open the Broadhurst Watkins Sports Report this week. To the anchor man, Eric Watkins. So, there's been some good XFL news and some bad XFL news. The good news is those waiting for announcements ahead of that faded 2023 kickoff I've been glad to know that not only do you have more of a narrow down on your cities where you're going to have your franchises, but you've got head coaching announcements, including Heinz Ward, who's going to be coaching a team. You have Bob Stoops. But then you also have the news of things that make you scratch your head. Number one, the recent news of 70-man rosters. You heard right, 7-0, with expectation of that only 45 would be dressing for games. And of course, because you have Redbird Capital and Dwayne The Rock Johnson, they're already saying that they're going to have better pay and benefits than the XFL. You mean the USFL? Yes, yes. I had XFL on the mind because of that logo, which... You know, we'll, you have some prominent soccer players that don't like it, but we'll get to that momentarily. We, we'll get to that in a moment here. Uh, the thing about the 70-man rosters is, is you're basically fielding a full-on practice squad at this point. Mm -hmm. As Jonathan Nielsen points out, 70? Yeah. Yes. Um, you're, you're basically going to field a full-on practice squad. There are probably uh, 11 players on either side there because, yeah, 70 minus 45 is 25. So you could basically have, um, like, situational players that could uh, – imitate and facilitate the uh, means to game plan for a, a potentially dangerous opponent at the quarterback and or running back position for an, a given opponent. Right. I mean, I get the idea behind it, but even with Redbird Capital and Dwayne The Rock Johnson specifically being involved, because he knows about being underpaid as a football player from his days in the CFL. Uh, even with that being the case, though, I don't imagine those practice squad, those taxi squad players are going to be making much of anything. Remember the uh, USFL offseason, the players in pr on practice in those three weeks, they were only paid like $600 each. 
Exactly. Plus, you have the same thing with the timing of the XFL season right after the Super Bowl in February versus the beginning of the timing of in uh, USFL season in April. A lot of these guys who find themselves just on the practice squad knowing that they're going to have a hard time fighting for a spot, if they see that they have a better chance in the USFL, mm -hmm. especially with a couple extra months of preparation, they can go ahead and ball out and really make their mark. See, I honestly think it's going to get to the point where the USFL and the XFL might want to consider some kind of partnership. Now, we talked about this um, we talked about this a while back, too, and the fact that it would probably benefit both spring leagues to work together because a potential of a champion versus champion game, as well as the opportunity to interchange talent and maybe bring a relegation system almost to, to uh, American football, mm. where, mm. where like the top teams in the USFL or the XFL, they, all, they end up in the same league as each other. The bottom teams end up in the same league as each other. And then you just have the teams moving back and forth depending on finish. I actually like the sound of that. The only problem I would have as far as the execution is travel, the ex travel mm -hmm. and the fact that the XFL has already announced a partnership of their own with the NFL. With exactly. Tweaking of different rules, developing referees, developing players. Yeah, almost a... Sorry to interrupt you there, but almost like a farm system for the NFL in a sense in terms of both the players as well as the officials and the rule changes that the NFL might wish which wish to institutionalize. Easy for me to say. Well, and not to mention the fact that with still the buzz being about with the CFL, those talks have only been paused and not entirely died. That could bring a whole level into it as well. It's fair. Yes, yeah, so I like the idea of such deep depth where you can have guys for situational plays. This is a running back who's only good at fourth down conversions or someone who's good in being a ball carrier solely on RPO plays or something oddly specific. But here's the problem. Great for the practice squad and everything, but are you gonna get are you gonna give that person a roster spot on game day for somebody that you might need in a bigger position like lineman or defensive? And even from Randy, 70-man rosters and Colin Kaepernick still won't find a spot. You'll just I mean, you're you'll not just, wrong. You'll just find him kneeling in the tunnels. It's fine. And then bitching That's about it. So bad, but it's so true. All right, so this whole logo business. So... You've seen the XFL logo, particularly the X as we're doing on screen for our video watchers. If that logo seems a bit familiar, especially designed by, oh, I don't know, World Cup soccer players, especially World Cup women's soccer players, in a collaborative they have using the word together, that's exactly why. So... Needless to say, that's another lawsuit that that's going on, and that's probably going to be settled behind the scenes. So good good luck trying to get any early XFL merch. Oh, yeah. It's too late now. I was trying to tell you to take the full screen there for that, but for this portion of the news desk. But it's okay. Don't worry about it at this point. Yeah. It is what it is. 
Um, so back and forth, not to mention that slow clap alone was worth it. Um. So I, here's what I want to know. What was wrong with the XFL's logo originally? Absolutely nothing to me. Nothing. I mean, I get wanting to possibly rebrand to get the stink of the bankruptcy off of it. But again, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Plus, do you really have gotten rid of that stench, especially with current rumors of what Vince McMahon is doing anyways? I have not heard about what Vince McMahon is doing with the XFL. Not so much with the XFL, but another league that has gone into cult-like lore in the spring football world. He's investing in a little something called Major League Football, supposedly. A league that purchased a lot of the old AAF equipment. You know, it's trying to organize and get off the ground that hasn't yet after two years, but keeps saying they're going to. And now that they're a publicly traded organization. So a new version of arena football, just with a different name. This is going to be another outdoor league. Why wouldn't you go for the gimmickry of arena football with the other two already being existing outdoor leagues? And this is Vince McMahon we're talking about here. Why the hell wouldn't he want gimmickry? It's kind of what that bitch does. Fan-controlled football. No one fucking watches that. I'm sorry, did you not see the Sports Center highlight where T.O., his first catch was a touchdown? Or the intrigue about Johnny Manziel, face of the league, wondering if he's even going to play? I'm sorry, I gave it some credit and the benefit of the doubt, and I thought the execution was horrible in the first season. Haven't watched the second season yet, but the fact that they're actually being serious, trying to expand into other sports, and building their own damn arena just for their league, they're at least trying to be serious. I got to give you, them some credit. Are you serious, bro? <laughs> oh, crap, and I don't even can't get the banner. Yeah, we, we're going to have to move the kickoff banners over. That's okay. We'll do that later. No, I have the kickoff banners moved over. I just couldn't get to them in time. Plus, it's all the way at the bottom. Hmm. The intero bang on that is still a nice touch. <laughs> I appreciate that. For our audio listeners, the Are You Serious graphic that just flashed has a question mark with an exclamation point through it at the end of it in order to, in order to decree the sense of severity with which we ask that question. Hence the intero bang. Now, Randy has a good point about <laughs> Vince McMahon. Yes! Look, I would not object to this whatsoever if he brought back Slam Ball. For the record, Randy, we actually talked about Slam Ball as our sport of the week a couple of weeks ago here on BWSR. So you're right in line with us. Episode in the archives, W2M Network on YouTube. In addition, you can also find it on all of your favorite video streaming your all your favorite video streaming services on Facebook, Twitch, Twitter, and YouTube. All but Twitch are W2M Network. Twitch is W2M Net. Woohoo! Look at you remembering things. <laughs> and yes, Brian, he did call it an entero bang. So he did get it fucking correct. Oh, yeah. I didn't hurt enough cats this week. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. <clears throat> Please politely do us a favor and clean out your fucking ears, Espinosa. Thank you. <laughs> okay, moving forward.
So that's our that's our spring football coverage. Where are we going next, Mr. Watkins? Well, unfortunately, we have to. Oh, we probably should have started with this, huh? We did, and especially with some more tragic developments that have happened with yeah. the passing of Dwayne Haskins. I okay. I'm gonna say this out and out. For everybody who um, and I gotta take a bit of a soapbox for this one. I saw everybody in the comments that some made Adam Schefter in a little bit of a tone deaf tweet. It's one prominent radio guy. I can't even remember his name, and it's a good thing. Talking about all well, all of the bullshit and everything that he did in his career. I get it, but at least stop. He was getting himself together. He was with the Steelers, practicing with teammates in South Florida. Car runs out of gas, and all of a sudden, oh no. Are we getting a run-in? Car runs out of gas. He uh, talks to his wife, say, hey, I'm going to go get some more gas. Goes at a crosswalk. Gets hit not by one, but by two cars. And one of which was a dump truck. I did hear that. I did not hear that he was struck by a second vehicle. But I mm -hmm. did hear that he got hit by a garbage truck. That, yeah. That sec detail about the second vehicle along with the 911 call. So where everything was reported, and then the last messages to his wife, those came out within the past couple of days. I did just see the thing that uh, his wife confirmed what was believed, that Haskins had run out of gas on the interstate and was in the process of walking in order to try to go get gas in order to be able to go back to the hotel. I did end mm -hmm. up saying that. And I mean, for someone who, again... You can highlight everything that he did at Ohio State, which did a great job by honoring him at their spring game. You can highlight his tumultuous time in Washington, which is already tumultuous enough. Thank you, We've, Dan Snyder. We had more than our fair share fun with him over on the kickoff and the fact that he missed his first ever uh, victory kneel down because he was too busy taking a selfie with a fan. Exactly. I mean, some of these things that you can say that, but in the end... Not the time, not the place. Not to mention losing a life like that at 24. I'm sorry, that's inherently sad. All right. Um, I will be the first person to admit that when I thought of Dwayne Haskins up to this point, I had thought of lost potential. Mm -hmm. Because he was a guy who showed flashes of brilliance at Ohio State and showed moments of pulling it together inside of the NFL, but never had quite the opportunity to do so. With, with, with that being said, literally hours after the man dies, and Adam Schefter decides to be, be as about as tone deaf as humanly possible with the tweet about the a former Ohio State standout who struggled to catch on with Washington and Pittsburgh. Buddy, no, no. There's again, a there's a time and a place to dissect a man's personal professional career. Literal moments after he passes away is neither the time nor the place. No, uh, uh. And and, and Brian said, yeah, very sad to what happened. And at 24, he's right. He's still a kid, and 
I wouldn't even put Schefter as the aubergine of the week. There was worse that I mentioned. I'm not even going to pull up the audio. Find it for yourself because, God, that guy was just an ass. Something tells me Snyder probably said something tone deaf, too. Actually, no, Snyder, between his issues with the Federal Trade Commission and his other sexual harassment lawsuits, he finally did the wise thing and kept his mouth shut. Oi. Now, now, apparently, unfortunately, I have to be directed. Um, yes, standards, standards and practices. Of- what do you want? <laughs> yeah, don't, 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 don't curse out the standards of practices guy, Harry. Otherwise, standards of practices crashes your show. Kick him off the air, Eric. <laughs> he won't do that. Yes, he will. Oh no, he won't. <laughs> Well then, good luck, ev- good luck, everybody, with Espinosa Watkins Sports Report. Damn it! My fingers on the button. I'm All like right, that guy right. in that meme. I'm, I'm, le- I'm leaving. I, I will say this: uh, it, it it is very tragic what happened, especially it being here in Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody Reports. deserves. No, 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 nobody deserves to die like that. I, I've seen some pretty bad crashes in my time including fatalities of that nature and it's just reports were new pittsburgh steeler quarterback <laughs> mitch trubisky had gathered the quarterback and the receiving staff down in florida in order to work on their timing as a collective unit and it was after one of those practices that the situation at hand occurred i don't know if you had heard that or not eric I actually hadn't. Mm-hmm. I, I still say, what's his fuck face reporter's name that I can't Adam remember? Adam Schefter. Yeah, Schefter is dick of the week. Between the, to- between the tone deaf tweet and again, going out and just blasting the guy someone else did on radio, no less. Not only, I was going to say, not only does he come out with the tone deaf tweet, but when people call him out for it, he doesn't even like act apologetic or anything. He, he just deletes the tweet, puts up another tweet like nothing fucking happened. And I'm, I'm like, oh, OK, have a nice fucking day. I, I, I can't disagree with Brian on this one. The fact that he tried to skate away unscathed after what he tweeted originally. Like, I am no stranger to controversy when it comes to this topic. I pay. I made a comment in the situation like this, and I paid for it. Yeah. Uh, back in 2014, when the Ultimate Warrior passed away, I made a comment on commentary on a live stream for a company that I was working for, stating, "I'm glad that he was able to make amends towards the end of his life, but let's be honest here: the guy was kind of a douchebag." I was removed from commentary from said company for the comment. While I didn't agree at the time, I understand why I was removed for that comment in hindsight. Mm-hmm. My personal opinions on James Helwig, Warrior, whatever you want to call him, aside, there is a time and a place to state one's opinion. And Absolutely. that close to the passing of said person was neither the time nor the place to do so. There is a time and a place for Adam Schefter to, to wax about the lost potential of Dwayne Haskins, 
and literal hours after he passed away was neither the time nor the place to do it. No, the old adage "never disparage the dead" comes up. Don't talk. Oh, you go ahead, and then I'm going to read this because Randy's giving us some bits of genius. Yeah, but he's not available on Thursday. Yeah, I'm not so, always uh, available. I, I happen to be available this evening, and Broadhurst was giving me shit. So the network standards and practices had to come in and remind him who's in charge around here. Well, did right. it, you're and, and, I did. And, and I had to say my piece about chicken salad. I mean, seriously, if you didn't go watch the clip of them using chicken salad as a cadence, it's absolutely hilarious. I saw it earlier, and I was dying. My I was just laughing my ass off. And and I, I'm going to go out on a joke that I don't know if you guys said it earlier or not, but it came across my Facebook feed earlier, and I posted it on our Discord. The NFL has Deflate Gate. The USFL has Chicken Salad Gate. I was going to look at the Tonight. meme, but my thumb was covering it. Well, I was going to say before you left, you take your own advice and have your own glasses shut the fuck up. But you, you couldn't even <laughs> let me go out on that one. <laughs> Jesus. We're getting feisty tonight, apparently. He's the one who originally said that to you, so I was just going <laughs> to report, but oh, no. Ruining my moment, mutter, mutter, mutter. You can see more of Brian this Sunday on Point of Viewer and then back here on Monday night with Leagues to the Max <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> there, I even gave you a plug right as you went off the air. You're welcome. All right. Yep, let's no, no, I couldn't. You chose violence. Oh, oh. I don't know. Choosing violence this week kind of does help things. But anyways. All right. So that covers all things football related for this episode. Shall we move to the National Basketball Association? Oh, especially the way some of these series have gone. Especially some game threes tonight. Jeebus. Okay. So, yeah. Your Jazz taking a bit of an L. You know what the problem is? We played Dallas in in um, Vivian, I think it's called now. Vivint, Vivint, whatever. Same difference. V i v a n t. V i v i n t, though. Really? Yeah, yeah. Vivint Arena. It's the goddamn Delta Center. <laughs> um, we've played Dallas there three times this year, and we've lost all three games to them in in Utah. Mm-hmm. So I mean. Should have bet on Bovada for that one. 21, mean, 21 means 21. God damn it! <laughs> Obey all local gambling laws and federal ones. And again, if you have a problem, seek help. This would have been the perfect this would have been the perfect time to debut the new Chiron. Thank you. Uh <laughs> all right. Um so, you know what the biggest story about these NBA playoffs, though, is the injuries involved. Devin Booker for the Suns, Luka Doncic for the Mavericks. Um, there was another major one, too. That uh, Middleton. Chris Middleton for the Bucks. Yeah, he was helped to the locker room uh, during game two against Chicago. I believe MCL sprain. He's out for the rest of the first round. So that's going to be one of those situations here where even after an 82-game regular season getting back to normal after the last couple of seasons for the NBA, you're starting to see these players showing some wear and tear that maybe they hadn't the last two years because of the shortened seasons 
Do you think that this is going to be a trend as the postseason continues? I absolutely agree. And if I'm Adam Silver, I definitely rethink the David Stern Cup that was proposed pre-pandemic. I mean, yes, it would be good to take away some of those regular season games. I mean, I have my own thoughts as far as that. But uh, at the same time, you're balancing that out with yet another tournament. This is only going to exacerbate this again once you get to the playoffs in years coming. I mean, this year, if these are just the first round and you're seeing these players, imagine when you get to the conference finals or the NBA finals. Uh, I had to take a moment to pull up the playoff bracket right now. I did get a chance to watch the end of game three between Philadelphia and Toronto last night. And uh, Joel Embiid went the fuck off and decided to go ahead and just put the Sixers on his back. Well, I mean, when after, you're the... go well, ahead. J- James Harden fouled out with like four minutes left in the game. Yeah, I mean, like, when you're the first center since Shaq to lead the league in scoring. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And the fact that you really get the last laugh in the whole Embiid Simmons drama, because Ben Simmons still hasn't played yet for Brooklyn through the postseason. You go ahead, you show up, you show out, especially with some of the other teams. Like look at what happened with the Memphis. What's with the, what's with the two Kansas dudes having beef? I mean, if it beats me, You're one both... can actually do stuff. The other just forgot how to shoot. I don't know. The other forgot how to play because he sat out for so long this year. That too. And don't get me wrong. I like Ben Simmons as a player. But Simmons' problem is that Simmons decided that Simmons wanted to be about Ben Simmons rather than winning an NBA title this year. And now Brooklyn finds themselves down 2 nothing to Boston. I don't know how the hell that happened. I well, mean, I, I do know how Boston. <laughs> I do know how Game One happened. That whole layup right as time expired thing. But the only series in the Eastern Conference that has any kind of uh, any kind of question mark about it right now is Milwaukee and Chicago, tied at one game each. Like I said, either you put Chicago or Boston in the first round of the playoffs over the past like decade or so, odds are you're getting a good, good series. And you think with Milwaukee, okay, are they still as hungry finally getting their first title since the early days of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar when he was still with Oscar Robertson? Correct me if I'm wrong. Currently on TNT is Game 3 of Golden State and and Denver? Denver. Yep. That one just ended the third quarter. Nuggets up 89-87. We said Nuggets! (laughs) (laughs) You're welcome. Had to bring it back. Had to bring it back. And I've broken Harry. There we go. My job is done. This W2M Network callback brought to you by the kickoff. (laughs) <laughs> See, Randy, even he gets it. Thank you. Yes, oh, that was that perfect. Was, that was fantastic. I walked right into that one without even intending to. <laughs> All right, so 
You are the only one of the two of us to predict any sweeps in the first round of the NBA playoffs. You still see that happening? You still see it? Um, we have three different series in the East and then one in the West that still has the opportunity to do so. I think if Golden State wins tonight, it's over, period. End Absolutely. Absolutely. And this Golden State lineup has looked devastating against Denver. I mean, being able to, can, for the most part, contain Joker like they have, and you have a reinvention of like a third splash brother? The, the 2021 NBA MVP Joker, uh, Nikolai Jokic. Mm-hmm. Should have been should have been Donovan Mitchell, but that is neither here nor there. Yeah, I, I mean, I sense this team, even though they had their own a little bit of issues here and there, or their own, especially dealing with more minor injuries. But you get them into the field, they can still be a threat if they can go ahead. Splash City, look at where they're back now. It's like they were four or five years ago. It's no wonder LeBron wants to play with Steph, like we talked about two weeks ago. And Steph basically told him, nah, I'm good. No, we cool. We cool. I, I. Yeah, I, I, I don't blame him. And yes, Brandon, I can break Harry. Brandon? Doesn't happen often. Brian, motherfucker. Yeah. Oh, jeez. <laughs> you know... Jews, violence, Jews, violence, Jews, violence. <laughs> okay, moving forward. Well, look, I'm gonna have, I'm gonna put up this comment so that way he doesn't choose violence, and hopefully he didn't hear that. Brian, from our conversation earlier about the injuries in the NBA postseason, I agree too. Muscle memory doesn't a lot to fall out of. I assume that meant doesn't take a lot to fall out of, but mm -hmm. does take a lot to get back into. With them not used to full-length seasons for multiple years now, I think you will see more injuries as we progress because it's not like anyone's playing dirty ball right now. That's actually not true because what game was it a couple of what, what game was it a couple of days ago that I was watching where legitimately it looked dirty? Well that well, that's the point. I think uh yeah, that's what he was kind of meaning with that last part. And no, you don't need to come back on the show. We're fine. Watkins Watkins had a moment from show past. We're good. All right. Um, do you stand by your statement? How many sweeps do we see out of this first round? There's still four possibilities. You originally predicted two. Well, wow. I thought I – I'm going to stick with two. I'm going to stick with two because – to have that and even have a gentleman sweep of five games, I really think for these first and second rounds, if you can win a series quickly, a lot of teams will want to do that to kind of save themselves for deeper in the playoffs. Well, yeah, but five is it four? I mean, I'm I'm talking straight skunk here. Yeah, straight skunk. I still see two. Um, like I said, it's going to depend what happens tonight. If Golden State wins tonight, they're finishing Denver in Game Four. Period. End of statement. Uh, Toronto was really, really good up until the last couple of minutes against Philadelphia. So I think Toronto snakes one out of the uh, Air Canada Center. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think Brooklyn gets swept just because there's too much firepower in Brooklyn and Kevin Durant won't let, a won't let his team get swept himself. Well, Ke and Kevin Durant's getting a bit too tired. Somebody else has to step up. Did you see the thing, uh, the fan interaction that Durant had about that too? 
Oh, uh, I missed the fan interaction. There was a thing on Facebook. Somebody said to Kevin, Kevin, you got to put this team on your back. And then Kevin looked at him and said, you got to shut the fuck up, dude. So you can tell that it's starting to get to Durant that all the pressure's on him, especially now that Harden's in Philadelphia and they didn't really get much of anything back from it. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if if they somehow miraculously go on and win the, the chip, he stays. But let's be fair, he's gone. Durant leaves every couple of years. It's what he does. Mm-hmm. Um, I- Real quick, the Miami the Miami Atlanta series. I've heard that Trey Young is less than a hundred percent right now too. So that's really going to be more more of a pain, as even though they're in Atlanta. But I think with Jimmy Butler and everybody coming out on fire, they are going to need because it's in uh, Game Three for that is tomorrow night, correct? Mm-hmm. April April twenty second. We are recording yeah. this th- live Thursday night, April twenty first. You are listening to the Broadhurst Walking Sports Report. Sports in black and white. A presentation of the W2M Network online at W2Mnet.com. I am Harry Broadhurst. He is Eric Watkins as we continue the show here. Uh, Trey Young has to be 100% for the Hawks to have a chance. And more to the point here, the Hawks have to win both in Atlanta to have a chance in this series. Uh, completely. And not only does he have to be healthy, I think with the way that Atlanta is playing, he's got to go off. We're talking 30 won't be enough. Realistically, if he can get in the 40s, I think that can be enough to carry the team because there is not a whole tremendous level of support behind him. There's just not. And Miami is the number one ranked team in the East this year, having won, what was it, 56 games, you think? I think it was either 56 or 58. I definitely know they finished almost, at least almost, if not fully, 30 games over 500. While Eric, oh, yeah. looks, while Eric is taking the opportunity to look that up, I believe it is time we move on, however. Oh, if my computer... You know what? I'm not even going to chance it because the way that my computer's been acting, I am not going to be switching a whole bunch of different tabs. <laughs> All right, so while Eric pulls that up on his phone, we're going to go ahead and move forward here. And we're going to talk gimmickry in racing. And this is the part where Randy Isbell will probably be most interested because we kind of had this conversation with Randy once before. Especially since, and I had this conversation and he was incredibly mad. Number one, I said this about the clash in the Coliseum, and I'm saying this again about two weeks ago, Martinsville. 53 and 29 for Atlanta or for Miami. There we go. I thought that it was something like that, and then Phoenix finished miles above everybody. I'm mm-hmm. saying this. Give me short track. Give me chaos. Ultimately perfect. And then you follow that up with a good old-fashioned dirt race in Bristol, which NASCAR has already said they're going to have a primetime dirt race in 2023. Yes, please. More of it. Go back to your roots, NASCAR. The sandy beaches of Daytona. Y'all were racing around it everywhere. Go for it. I'm going to apologize to Randy in advance before I say what I'm about to say here. Any track that hosts multiple races during the course of a season, at least one of those races should be gimmicked of some kind. Completely agree. Completely agree. 
Randy complained about this on Point of View or last week's episode, available in the archives over at W2Mnet.com as well as on the YouTube feed and all of the fine places where you listen to podcasts. Randy complained about the fact that Bristol is his favorite track. Yeah, and he's saying keep the damn dirt out of the Coliseum. You don't need dirt in the Coliseum. The way that they set it up was fine as is. But I'm saying that any racetrack on the NASCAR circuit that yep. has multiple races within a given season, i.e. Charlottesville, i.e. Daytona, i.e. Yep. Bristol, if you have multiple tracks or multiple races there, gimmick one of those races. Mm -hmm. Do something in order to make those races stand out as individuals. Now, obviously, you're never going to do something like this with, Daytona, with the Daytona 500 because that's the granddaddy of them all in NASCAR. Right. But I, I want to see more road races in NASCAR, more yeah. street races like they have um, Watkins Glen. Yeah. Give me some more road courses. I think that they at least had, and Randy can correct me because I did look at the schedule a couple of times, not just Watkins Glen, but a couple of other road courses. I believe it's three up. right now. I believe yeah, it's so three road races now in the NASCAR season. Yeah. Give me some more of those, the more road courses, a couple more dirt. Some of those, especially on your nice half mile, like Richmond and Martinsville. Yes, 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 yes. Alternatively, you know how everybody complains it's a sport of everybody going nothing but right? Have them run the track in reverse. Have them have to make right, right turns exactly. instead of lefts. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Have something like that. Get the drivers used to something different. And NASCAR is already admitted. Yeah, they're talking about adding a night race in Indianapolis. All the hotels were warned about it. I don't think that's necessarily terrible. I don't think that's terrible at all. But my buddy, my buddy James Fawn Cannon chanting, uh, chiming in there, Fonty actually works at a hotel in Indianapolis. He's from the Indianapolis area. I have a couple of friends up in that part of the country. But for someone like NASCAR as an organization, even those in Daytona, who basically turned like that speedway into a stadium. Wonderful. But overall, as a sport, they've said, we want to do things to bring in more casual fans, even more casual fans like myself. I'm saying flat out, I'll watch some normal races, but if you give me the occasional gimmick, you've got me as a viewer. No pun intended. It, this will be the last thing we kind of say about this because there's a couple other stories that we have to get to. We're coming up on the hour mark, and I want to kind of yeah. try to keep things on time as best as I possibly can here. Of course. Um, the biggest thing for me here is, Eric, you know who my favorite driver of all time is. We've I talked about this I, before. I know we've talked about this before, but I'm still trying to remember. Dale Earnhardt. Just had to flash the three. <laughs> I was... A huge fan of the Intimidator when I was a kid. I have little Intimidator Christmas tree ornaments that sit over in my Christmas tree basket to this day that my grandmother bought for me when I was younger. Mm -hmm. I loved Dale Sr. Mm -hmm. I followed Dale Jr. Mm -hmm. So for me, the appeal of watching NASCAR when I was younger was being able to see Dale Sr. until his untimely passing in Daytona. And then mm -hmm. watching Dale Jr. carry on the legacy of Dale Sr. until his retirement four years ago, I believe. Thereabouts. So the problem for me was, is this new generation of NASCAR driver, 
they don't have the personality that a junior had, that a senior had, that much though I may not like him, that a Jeff Gordon had. Right. They don't have that mass market appeal that those guys had. Right. There are certain exceptions, but even they're starting to have their time come come towards an end here. Uh, Kyle Bush, for example, Kurt Bush, uh, Jimmy Johnson, who retired at the end of last season. Yeah, and Jimmy Johnson, I believe, is going towards uh, open wheel now. He's going to do like uh, IRL or F1? Um, IRL, I believe. I don't think it's F1. So we might see him in Indy this year. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Have fun with that, Fonty. Anyways, <laughs> the point being is that when we started watching NASCAR as younger fans, and this goes back even the generation before us when you had guys like Earnhardt battling with people like Richard Petty, like Kale Yarborough, these larger-than-life driver personalities, you don't have that nowadays. No, you really don't. And you don't you don't have those guys like Tony Stewart that are making things a mess on uh on pit on pit lines and on pit road in NASCAR anymore. You don't have guys like Kevin Harvick who would spin a bitch out if he looked at him sideways. Exactly. You need that little bit of drama and those within your personalities. You need personalities. And yeah. right now, NASCAR with the trying to be the mass appeal. They don't have that, but it's a flat-out shame. Yeah, and like to me, the biggest drawing power for me on NASCAR right now is Ryan Blaney. And there's a reason it's Ryan Blaney. Because Ryan Blaney is the son of Dave Blaney, who was from Sharon, Pennsylvania. Approximately a half an hour drive from where I live in Youngstown, Ohio. That, yeah, is, literally the, the woods. that is literally the only appeal for the Blaney family for me, is the fact that they're the closest driver to me. But I don't have any reason to be invested in Ryan Blaney as a driver in terms of his actual on-track on performance. I know that he just almost won Daytona earlier this year. And I think he mm -hmm. finished second last year. So it's not that Blaney's a bad driver. He's much better of a driver than his dad was. But he doesn't have that larger-than-life personality. So when your drivers don't have those personalities, then you give the tracks the personality to draw in the casual viewer. You bring back the dirt races. You bring back the nighttime races. You bring back the sprints. Uh, the, the twin 125s for Daytona for qualifying. That's a fantastic idea. Yeah, because that goes back to the old, like a twin 150s that they originally had back in the day. So you're still keeping towards your roots. And if you hear Randy listing the road courses, Circuit of the Americas, Worldwide Technology Raceway, Sonoma, Road America... The Indy Road Course, Watkins Glen, Charlotte Roval, the Road Oval, and Daytona Road Course. That was last year. All of these things are perfect. Even sprinkle in a few of those this year, like I believe they are. And even Fonte, Penske just spent a mill renovating the Indy Motor Speedway, and they added lights. There we go. So that's telling you that they're steering into that gimmick races for fans in order to appeal to a larger audience. Um, Indianapolis is its own animal because the Indy 500 is an American tradition. So Indianapolis, mm -hmm. is all, Indianapolis is always going to have the Indianapolis 500. That's going to be its marquee event. That being said, for NASCAR and some of these other places and stuff where maybe interest is dwindling, 
than the gimmicks of the dirt tracks, the gimmicks of the nighttime races, the gimmicks of the added road courses, like Randy just said there. That is going to draw people to the track because they'll want to see the differenti, the differential between that and the standard race. And it's going to draw people to watch on television because it'll carry that anything can happen feel. Yeah, you need something, as Brian said, to break up the monotony of three to 500 laps with a couple of crashes if you're lucky. This is perfect. And not Man. to mention, let's also be thankful that NASCAR has gotten a lot safer for its drivers as well, so that even though we do still get those crashes that Brian was just talking about, they are a lot more likely to come away unscathed than we have been in previous times, too. Man, who would have thought at all things NASCAR would have the most audience engagement? I'm loving it. It <laughs> works for me, man. I'm happy with it. I'm here for it, you know? Same here. Wait till we get to our sport of the week for this week. That's going to turn some heads, too. Yeah, especially because I will reflect back to a conversation we had earlier. I knew it looked familiar. I remembered exactly where I had seen and heard of a variant of it before. Sir, I need you to take a moment and get the clip ready to play because we have something else to discuss before we get to that. All right. Now you that know, I... You know the clip I'm referring to, don't you? Yes. Now that everything is operating correctly, I have this. I need to pause it so I can restart it and share the screen and add audio. Ladies and gentlemen, I have nothing to say about what you're about to watch until after it airs. Eric, I will request that you withhold comment until after it airs as well. For our audio listeners, Juco Baseball Tackle. Google it. Eric, if you please. This is why. <laughs> North Central has taken the lead here in game one. Oh, oh, my. Oh, no. Oh, no. That was out of nowhere. Full screen, please. Woodward just attacking the North Sorry, Phillips right there. North Central versus Weatherfield. In. <laughs> North Central versus Weatherfield Junior College Baseball. The North Central batter has just gone yard to give North Central a 3-2 lead over Weatherford. As the batter is rounding third base, and I apologize, I did not get names. Yeah, very, very few in subsequent stories that have come out with developments they have. <laughs> we'll get to the NFL draft mock, even though that was an NFL-worthy hit right there. <laughs> As the North Central batter is rounding third base, the pitcher comes off of the mound, charges towards him, and absolutely NFL blitzes his ass. I mean, that would have been a borderline 15-yard penalty in a few places. Okay, so obviously this has been making the rounds here, and we have the fallout from what happened there, and we will talk about that in a second here. But I feel the need to talk about this on the overarching aspect of things here. Four games, 
later kicked off the team, like we talked about before we went live. And I'll have you give more information because I'd imagine you probably found the article with that information. I did. I will go back and find the, the link to it and add it in the description for when we put it up okay. later. Sounds good. All right. Originally, the pitcher was given four-game suspension, and then uh, Weatherford College removed him from the baseball team. Mm-hmm. He's lucky. Yeah. I have two words for you. Felonious assault. I'm honestly not going to argue because I get with the whole issue with taunting. And yes, the okay. batter himself was given a two-game suspension, taunting, saying something, whatever. But you go ahead. You just gave up the homer. I don't agree with the taunting. But did it get to the point to where you had to run you 90 feet and go ahead and check him like that? No. You've got greater issues. He could have called him by everything except his government name. Yeah. And still, that was unnecessary. You know, there is a time-honored baseball tradition when somebody taunts. Mm -hmm. You give them the old brushback treatment the next time they're up at the plate. Little bit of chin music? Well, bam. Somebody, somebody puts a 95-mile-an-hour fastball in somebody else's kitchen. Mm-hmm. Not saying it's okay. I am saying that's the way baseball handles things, however. The unwritten rules, of course. You do not, as a pitcher, run off the mound and body check an opponent as he's rounding third base after he took you yard. No. No. You go ahead, you take your licks, and again, you go ahead and you get his ass out the next time. You want to make him wear a fastball the next time you face him up at bat? That's fine. Mm-hmm. That's considered acceptable. <laughs> you keep my bad pitch's name out your motherfucking mouth. <laughs> For our audio listeners that didn't get a chance to see what I just did, <laughs> I just threw a Will Smith-style slap towards the invisible Chris Rock in front of me. This has been the talk of the sports world over the last couple of days. Oh, yeah. Story went viral. ESPN picked it up for Sports Center. That clip right there, I think, might have been from the ESPN uh, Facebook page, actually. Um, that was actually from a different Facebook page. And then so, got it from there. So, yeah. Multiple sources picking up the clip and running it as well now. There is an unwritten philosophy in baseball that you handle business on the field mm -hmm. as a pitcher if somebody taunts you you handle business on the field with a little bit of brushback with a little bit of chin music with a little bit of kitchen it does not make it okay to run off of the mound and physically assault another player he got suspended for four games originally. He was yep. then kicked off the team by Weatherford College. He should. He, he's lucky he's not facing criminal charges. And honestly, if I'm that batter, I'd go ahead and press charges. I would. 
for love of the game, right? No. Yeah. That's, that's, that's being an asshole. Again, what is our golden rule around these parts? DBAD, folks. Don't, Don't be, be a, a dick. dick. Jesus. That dude definitely needs Jesus. Not hard to find in Texas. Apparently, apparently the batter needed to try Jesus, but not the pitcher because he throws hands. <laughs> or, in that instance, shoulders. Because <laughs> that wasn't even so much a swing as it was a body check. Exactly. Body check slash full-on tackle from some angles. We're kind of having a little bit of fun with the aftermath here, but there's nothing funny about what he did. No, not whatsoever. Not whatsoever. DBAD, folks. Somebody takes you yard when you're pitching, get them back the next time. Mm -hmm. Unless it's the whole Jose Batista Rudnetto door thing from a couple of years back. Great triple A aubergine material, indeed. Unless, unless it's the Jose Batista Rudnetto door or door thing from Major League Baseball a couple of years back. In which case, I guess baseball going to police itself. Yeah, yeah. Batista bat flipped early. Uh, the last time the two teams played, he slid rough studs up into second base. And Odor did not appreciate it. And if you remember, Rudnet Odor went up to Jose Batista and punched him square in the jaw. To be fair, Batista could take a punch. I mean, the, the dude, like a solid jaws, which you saw. And then look at what he did the rest of the season. <laughs> Saying. All right. I think that takes us to our sport of the week, Mr. Watkins. And you know, like I said, it was you who actually discovered me with this. You showed it to me, and I'm like, looking I mentioned, at it. I mentioned okay. the fact that I mentioned the fact that it was going to air on FS1, not this past weekend, but the weekend before. Right, and I was able to see the men's and women's championships available on the YouTube page for the respective company. Link to the YouTube page will be available in the show description. Of course. We are talking about Omega Ball. What is Omega Ball, Mr. Watkins? Well, I'll tell you, and this reflects back to where I'd seen it before. Out of humble Scotland, college professor, as sort of a psychological experiment, you took a hexagonal pitch and said, all right, three teams... You're going to go out and play football, soccer. You're all going to be on the pitch at the same time. The only catch was, you see, your goals you're taking from your respective corners once it goes out of bounds. And from there, the biggest part of the experiment was fewest goals conceded wins the game. So I thought to myself, when I first heard of Omega Ball, that reminds me a lot of that three-sided soccer. Uh -huh. Omega Ball just stepped it up. Your pitch is now circular. A perfect circle, as it were. <laughs> we represent Maynard James Keenan here on BWSR. We're tools in a good way. 
But I'm well played, monkey. <laughs> well I mean, played. I mean, if you're going to set me up like that again, I'm in a mood. <laughs> well played. Couldn't let that one go. But you have your particular smaller circles where the ball comes in near each goal from play. Mm -hmm. You have your three periods of 15 minutes where the goals rotate around the pitch. And naturally, most goals wins. They even have an interesting element with the coin toss. All three captains are on the pitch to toss the coin. Who's ever the odd one out, they get to pick the first choice of goal. And I, mean, I and I believe the first team to win a coin toss also gets first possession as well. I believe so. Mm -hmm. I do believe so. And, again, it's your basics, five aside, four outfield players and a keeper. Now, the keeper is a real threat to score. Because I saw that in the men's game, yeah, that I watched. I haven't gotten to the women's game yet, but I did see that in the men's game. The And I think it was the second period, the keeper for one of the, the, the side that was in gray mm -hmm. sprinted down and kicked a goal himself. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, he kicked a goal himself, plus even on – if you're getting a goal kick or a free kick from around your goal area, you've only got about 30 yards to either mm -hmm. goal. Very easily makeable free kicks. And again, good flow, three 15-minute periods. I like it. The only the only catch to uh, the easy kick to either goal on the other end is you do have 12 players in between in order to have to worry about. And, oh. and that condensed of a space – uh, real estate is prime in terms of being able to find your footing in order to be able to find your balance in order to be able to find how you want to attack. The other main takeaway that I had from this as well is the fact of the uh, uh, gold, I, what did they call it? Uh, the, the vulturing. Yes. Gold vulturing. Yeah, because there's no offside. It would be off so all play circular pitch. So yeah. All players are eligible at all times. So Fusion, Smoke, and uh, what's the third team name? I can't remember the third team. Well, but for the for the sake of this, and again, we'll link to the to the YouTube page so that way you guys can go watch the match for yourself. Mm -hmm. One of the, one of the players from one of the teams swung a ball in towards his teammate. He ended up overhitting it, <coughs> and it bounced off the crossbar. It bounced off the crossbar to a member of an opposing team who happened to be down there on the same area of the pitch as well, and that player put it past the other keeper to score a goal for his team rather than the person who put the volley into the into the uh, goal area. Yeah, and I guess the one negative that I saw with all of those positives is in both, and I've seen both the men's and women's games, it's like once you got to where one team established dominance and raced out to a lead, it kind of became a two-team race, and you saw the third team just kind of not necessarily sit back because you couldn't as much, but it's like they didn't really have that oomph to go in and make it at least a close three-way game. So I would hope in the future as we have more teams, maybe even a league, qualifications, things like that, where you have it to where down to the wire and all three teams in play rather than just one or two. Uh, if you check the group chat, I sent the link to the official website for Omega Ball, 
and their watch Perfect. section. Perfect. Let me add that in when I can. For those interested, actually. Oh, wait, never mind. These are past. <laughs> they uh, popped up with the actual airings there, but aired out of Irvine, California. Rules mm -hmm. and events. There's The website is omegabowl.com, and we'll have the link to the watch page on there. But the, the full matches are the full championship matches are available on YouTube on the Omega Ball YouTube on the Omega YouTube webpage. So youtube.com backslash Omega Ball, I believe, is the URL for that. Mm -hmm. And again, both matches combined, you're only looking at two and a half hours, including and that's your presentations and everything. And that's including like pre-game festivities, mid-period mm -hmm. festivities, and everything. Yeah, it cuts mm -hmm. out a lot of the downtime that you would see in a traditional soccer broadcast too. Like, um, take a take a Premier League broadcast for uh, for NBC. Like, let's go with a USA Premier League broadcast, right? You usually mm -hmm. have approximately an hour-long, forty-five-minute-long pre-game, the two-hour game runtime itself. And then another half an hour afterwards for Gold Zone or whatever they decide to run it at. Sometimes that runs on Peacock, but still. Right. To sit through an entire Premier League presentation on USA slash Peacock there, that would be a commitment of three to three and a half hours. Mm -hmm. For the Omega Bowl, uh, first, second, third periods, team introductions, Mid uh mid game festivities like the interviews with like the coaches and stuff in between the periods, and championship trophy presentations and everything, you're out an hour and fifteen. Done, done. So even in the time it takes for just one Premier League match, stem to stern, you can easily fit two full Omega Ball matches, all of the flair, and have a little bit in between. To have everybody set up. I, I was genuinely intrigued by the concept when I saw the advertisement originally on air on Fox Sports. And I thought that this would be something that would be very interesting for Sport of the Week here on BWSR. Oh, yeah. Because we kind of like to highlight stuff that either brings us back nostalgically, like we talked about Slam Ball a couple of weeks ago. Or that we have our own personal preferences towards, like... Eric bringing up Aussie rules a couple of weeks ago, or um, the conversation that we had about uh, what was it, the seven aside? Oh, uh, yeah, seven aside, like football, my things that I've mentioned with different things in cricket. And as we mentioned, Aussie rules, thank you for your service, CEO Gillen McLaughlin. We're going to miss you after this year. Don't forget a team in the NT on your way out. Stop sucking, Roos. You've got Jason Horn Francis. That's still a thing. What's up with Hawthorne beating Geelong? I wasn't anticipating that. Um, that was a hell of a comeback. That was a great right on win. time. I, yeah, I I, st I actually stayed up for that. And I was talking with Randy, and I was like, "Wow, y'all are actually keeping this close." And then when they went ahead and had some great possession inside, attacking fifty, and I'm like. They keep this up. They can snatch this game. Lo and behold, they did. Eric, we have one final segment left on this week's episode. <laughs> as soon as I can get back to it, stupid butter mutter. You're good. 
Yep. Yes, indeed, folks. That is an aubergine you see on your screen. But if you're an audio listener, it's that time. It's dick of the week. Um, yeah, I'm with Brian on this one. I don't see how it can't be Adam Schefter. Same. I mean, even with all of this and the fact that your longtime radio broadcaster who said everything about Dwayne Caskins, at least he had a somewhat chance to apologize when he was also called out about it and he went viral on Twitter. Schefter, you know better. Are, how are, long, how long are, have you been in this business? Hmm? Our radio broadcaster? No. Who's radio broadcaster? Oh, I've got to go ahead and try to pull it up on Twitter. Someone. Stay, stay tuned to the W2M network for more updates as far as the story that Eric is referring to. Because now I'm genuinely curious as well. So we'll come yeah, back. We'll, we'll come back to that maybe next week. We'll give everybody an update on that. Yeah. So, Schefter, you have been in the business for too long. You are revered. You know better. You know better. And the way you tried to worm out of it, I'm sorry. That doesn't cut it. That doesn't cut it. And honestly, if it hadn't have been for what happened on that baseball field in Texas, you'd be even a bigger dick of the week this week. Yeah, honorable mention to that pitcher. I didn't catch a name. But seriously, dude, go fuck yourself. Anger fucking management, bro. Anger management. And we're not talking about the Charlie Sheen television show from FX either. Although that is pretty good. I have been getting into that recently. I'm on season two. Nice. Very solid show. All right. I think that about does it for us this week, Mr. Watkins. Yeah, look at that. We're short, sweet to the point. We still had our gimmicks and everything. And all gone the audience. Mwah. This is what we do it for, among other things. Fan participation was very good for this episode. I must say, I do appreciate that. <laughs> um, You have been listening to the Broadhurst Watkins Sports Report. Sports in black and white. A presentation of the W2M Network online at W2Mnet.com. I have to slow down because people yell at me when I talk too fast while doing these. In addition, you can find us on all of your favorite audio streaming services such as iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spreaker, Podbean, CastBox, Overcast. Rate and review us five stars on Spotify. Check out the link to Discord available below. If you prefer a visual format to your podcast, make sure you guys check out the W2M Network on Twitch, Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook. W2M Network everywhere but Twitch w2m net on twitch proper itself mr watkins where can people find you well among the many shows that i'm on on the network when i'm not here on the broadhurst walking sports report wow let me hang it on that one okay sports in black and white sorry <laughs> thank you answering a message my my apologies that's okay sunday nights if it's sunday night you know what that means it's point of viewer with not Terry as one of my disembodied voices. I, I, it, 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 there's good, there's fun, there's laughs, there's weird dreams, which I'm going to be talking about again this week. We have Randy getting extra rancid. We don't care what he says when it comes to this week, the conclusion of our greatest sports movie of all time bracket. So there's that to look forward to. Mondays, I am with. 
another fan of ours here, Brian Espinosa, where I am the disembodied voice on League to the Max or whatever. We've got a lot to talk about this coming week as well, since uh, we're going to be wrapping up our regional playoffs and we'll have the field set for the midseason invitational. Stay tuned on that. Then on Tuesdays, life is like a game show. Myself, Brian, Jonathan Nielsen, can't forget the real voice of reason, Harry Broderick's there. And this week we're going to go ahead and um, figure out the Monty Hall problem as we're going to aim to make a deal. Let's make a deal. Hmm. And either Sundays or Wednesdays, you'll find myself along with Mr. Hate Mail himself, Sean Garmer, on Soccer to the Max next As week. S.Garmer at gmail.com if you have anybody. Shout out, Marty Bass. You know we still love you. But yes, next week we're going to do our own deep dives. The World Cup, know your teams. Previous histories, how they play, players to know. Starting next week with Iran, which happens to be a pretty important opponent this year. So you'll definitely be looking for that as long as our regular shows are they in a group with the U.S. again? Yes. Oh, so you guys are starting with the U.S.'s group. Well, we're starting with the U.S.'s group, but we're going around, and eventually we're going to end with a lot of our bigger continental teams like U.S., Canada, etc. Yeah. So we'll be starting out with that. And first of every month, 5 p.m. Eastern time like clockwork, I finally get to be another disembodied voice. As I, along with John Nielsen himself, presents to you the Nielsen ratings. If you ever want to know what grinds his gears and what he really likes, that's the show for you. What, basically, what grinds his gears is when he's not allowed to gimmick and fringe family guy. I mean, you're not entirely wrong about that. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I'm here on BWSR. Obviously, Eric mentioned I help out on Point of Viewer when I am available uh, life is like a game show. In addition, I also am a guest on TV Party tonight as part of the Indie Siders with Mark Rattledge, where we return May 2nd to cover For the Culture 3 and Bloodsport 8 as part of the GCW Collective from WrestleMania weekend. We then return again the following week, May 9th, with the best of the rest of the collective. Because this is a collective show that put out 12 shows over three days. Man, that sounds like Rattelich when he was working his old Rattelich and broadcasting schedule. Keep in mind, I can't talk because I myself appeared when we went ahead and put the movie quiz show on trial. Available in the W2M Network archives. <laughs> in addition, make sure you guys check out everything that is from the Rattleage Broadcasting Network, now part of the W2M Network, as they have TV Party Tonight, Metal Hammer, Metal Hammer of Doom, Damn You Hollywood. Um, triple feature? Triple feature, second and short with Jason, oh, with former kickoff co-host Jason Teasley, their own fantasy football podcast. We might see about having Jason join us for a couple episodes of BWRSR down the road as well. Okay. Maybe get the gang back together a little bit here and there. Memories. But, um, in a faded corner of my mind. Mm -hmm. 
In addition, you can find me on social media at H-E-B the Eagle pretty much everywhere. Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, Snapchat, kind of, sort of, although like Eric says now, fuck them. Pretty much. I don't use Telegram. I don't use Telephone. I don't use Telewrestler. That's a Bruce Pritchard joke. One that makes me laugh every time, so I figured I'd bring it to the show. That's and, a good one. Yeah, that's that's pretty much all I got there. Uh, shout out to James Fawn Cannon, Randy Isbell, Jonathan Nielsen, and Brian Espinosa for joining us as special guests here on tonight's episode. You have been watching the Broadhurst Walk in Sports Report. Sports, Sports in, in black, black and white. A presentation of the W. 2M Network. We'll see you guys next week. What are we covering? Who the hell knows? You'll find out then. Later, everybody. Later. <laughs>